0: Happy New Year to all of you that are here, um, excited for what God has in store. For 2017, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But this is also a season, not only as we talk about 2017, but we reflect on all that God has done in 2016. And I'm sure so many of you over the course of the, even the last week or whatever, uh, took some time and then looked at 2016, whether you enjoyed it, whether you didn't and you're ready to turn the page. It just seems like this is the moment where, where we look back. And as I look back at at 2016, one of the defining moments for me um, as the campus pastor here uh, actually took place about this time last year when I was on this stage preaching a message. And um, I said a line that I've had multiple people come up to me and say, you know, of all of the things that you've said, the one thing that sticks out the most to me is, and it was this line. The sad part is it has nothing to do with the Bible has nothing to do with Christianity at all, so that's my 2017 goal. Um, Thank you for that. Let's do this together, please. Um, But I said a line that was, um, I was talking about love, and I said, I love my wife, but I also love tacos. And for some reason, that's what people took away from 2016. And because of that... I have been tagged in more social media posts about tacos in 2016 than any other year of my life. And that's not a bad thing. Just so you know, if I have to be the poster child for River Valley Tacos, I am totally fine with that. I will bear that burden gratefully. But as I was thinking about this year and and what I could do with this year, um, I was trying to figure out ways to work uh, like German chocolate cake into today's message. Just to set the course for 2017, just to see if anyone takes that and runs with it. Uh, it's gonna be a wonderful year, I can tell already. But there's a lot of things that I'm excited for for 2017 and 2017 in our personal life. Uh, this is the year that, that me and my family get to move into a home. We're excited about that because right now I have three children. Some of you clapped and you don't even know why you're clapping. Just wait. It gets so much better. I have three children. We live on the fourth floor of an apartment complex right now. It's really hard to kick your kids out of the house when they break things from the fourth floor. Um, so I'm excited to have a yard. And you're like, you know what, just leave. Just, it's all right. Stay inside the fence and you're, you're good to go. Um, we're excited as a family. There's things coming up as a family that, that, that we're looking forward to. Um, I'm excited as, as, as the pastor of this campus. I believe God has amazing things in store for 2017. I believe um, the the line that we have over our doors, that says the best is yet to come. I truly believe that God is setting us up for something in 2017 that's gonna blow our imaginations. It's gonna be absolutely amazing what is happening. You'll even hear some of that that's gonna get rolled out uh, in the next couple of weeks, but I believe amazing things are in store for 2017. But there's also something that's happening around this time that I'm not a big fan of. And that's New Year's resolution season. And I'm gonna tell you why. Number one, I have never once in my life made a New Year's resolution. I've never made a serious one. All right, I've made a couple of resolutions um, that I had no intention of of fulfilling. It was more or less jokes on social media, but that's about it. And here's why I don't like resolutions. Two reasons, number one, there's a lot of people that, that make New Year's resolutions that they have no intention of fulfilling. There's that massive joke about how, all right, January 1st, that means the gym is going to be completely full wherever you go to work out. But don't worry, February 1st, nobody's going to be there again. Um, Right? And it's not even a joke. It's truth for so many of you that actually go to the gym consistently throughout the year. I wouldn't know you people. Um, (laughs) But there's so many resolutions that people make that they they have no intention of fulfilling. And the second thing is this is if you're about to make a resolution or you took time this week to make a resolution that you plan on starting sometime in the next week or so, if it was good for your life at that moment, why didn't you just start it last week? That is my thought in all of this. It's like, okay, you know what? When I get to next year, I'm gonna do something differently. And you're like, okay, I think that's actually a pretty good idea. idea. Why would you wait till then? Just start now. Um, so that's kind of my my thought on New Year's resolution. But that being said, we are in that season, and so we're going to dive into this, and and we're going to take a look at what life would be like if we lived more like that instead of long distance twenty seventeen. End of December 2017, where we're going to be at. What would, we, what would life look like if we just tried to do a little bit better each day? If it's good enough for us then, it'd be good enough for us to start right now. As a matter of fact, there's a quote that I love uh, from the legendary John Wooden. He's the coach of the UCLA basketball uh, back in its heyday. And he said this, you have to apply yourself each day to become a little better. By becoming a little better each day over a period of time, you will become a lot better. Just a little bit every time, just starting today. But what does that mean to us with our walk with God? I believe the answer to that is actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 29. So if you want, you can start to flip your Bibles there. Uh, If you have the Bible app on your phones or whatever else, you can start to get to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Uh, But I'll give give you a little bit of backstory as as we're getting to that. This is Moses' kind of last message to the Israelites. Right after this, he's about to set up Joshua as the new leader and they're going to go into the promised land. He's actually going to die. So he's, he's kind of giving his last words to the, to the Israelites in this time. And I, I always love to study people's last words in scripture. When people know that they're leaving, there's a lot of intentionality with what they're saying. It's one of the reasons I love the end of the gospels and the beginning of the book of Acts. You know, when, you, when, when, when Jesus has risen from the grave and knows that he's about to ascend to heaven, there's a few amazing scriptures that are in there because Jesus is setting up what the future is going to look like. He's setting up the church and saying, this is how you need to live. I've modeled it through all of my life. And now it's time for you to take this over. And there's some amazing, amazing uh, scriptures in there because it's the last words, it's intentionality that's there. And I believe Moses is doing the same thing. And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of his instructions. There's things that, that are secrets that God has that he hasn't revealed to us. We're not accountable for them. But there's things that, that he has given us that we and our children are accountable for two really big things for the Israelite nation, but I think as well, it's two really big things for us as we come into this season and this moment in our lives. We're going to break those two down and we're going to start with the first part of it. The Lord has secrets known to no one. You're not held accountable for them. The Lord has secrets. Why is it so hard for us to grasp as, as, as humans that there are things that we don't know? Why is it so hard for us to grasp that there are parts of the puzzle, there are parts of of what God has in store for us that he has not yet revealed to us. When the truth of the matter is we're not held accountable for him anyway. If we don't know, we can't be held accountable. But yet, so often we won't even take the small step of faith that God is asking us to do that he has revealed to us because we don't know the entire puzzle, the entire destination. When I think about even my own family, I have a seven-year-old son, his name is Brody. And when I say to Brody, hey, buddy, we're going to go, let's go. You know what he does? He comes with me and we go. He doesn't stop and say, well, dad, uh, what is the destination? And what is the plan for us to get to said destination? And could I please have input in the, the routes we are taking to the destination? He doesn't do that. Um, he knows I trust my dad, so we're going to go. Now, he's maybe not the best example in my family because this is my child that as a three-year-old, we would get in the car and he would say, dad, where are we going? And I would tell him and he would say, dad, do we have enough gas to get there? I was like, "You're three. Be quiet." I don't know. And then, then I would look down and realize we probably don't. All right, we'll get some gas. Whatever. Thank you. He's a firstborn. He's prepared. I don't know. Um, but most of the time, he'll just he he goes. He doesn't question. He doesn't question where we're headed. He knows that wherever we're headed is going to be fine. He follows the one prompt that I have given him, which is, "Hey, buddy, let's go." Why is it that as we get older in life, we have to be the type of people that when somebody says where, or, or let's go, or even more importantly, when God says, hey, we're gonna take this step of faith, are we the type of people that step back as, as, as adults? It seems like we step back and go, yeah, not quite sure, because I don't know what's after that step. I don't know what the destination may be, so you know what, I think I'm just gonna hang out here until you show me the entire thing when the truth of the matter is, it's found even in scripture. There's things that we don't know. But we are held accountable for the step that God has asked us to take. I would say this today in this new year, don't get analysis paralysis where literally you like stop and you freeze and you go absolutely nowhere because you're trying to figure it all out in the moment when in all reality, while your brain is moving really fast, you're not going anywhere. Take the step that God has, has asked you to take. It's why Paul says in the new Testament, we as believers walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, we know we, we, we may not know what's there, we may not be able to see what God has in store for us, but we know this, we have faith in who's telling us to go, therefore we walk. Now the sight and the faith thing is, is, is something that we have to figure out, but I noticed this in that scripture, the walking wasn't an option. It was you take this step, don't take it by sight, take it by faith. And if I had to be honest with you, I think one of the biggest things that, that um, stops us as, as believers, as, as humans, uh, mostly as adults, um, that stops us from taking that step of faith is fear. I think it's fear of the unknown. I think it's fear of, of, of what might be on the other side of that step of faith. And in a moment of vulnerability even, I'll tell you, I think one of the biggest um, crutches in my life, one of the biggest uh, detriments that has stopped me from going to where God has wanted me to go is I've had for a lot of my life a fear of failure. It started in, in middle school, in high school, and in, uh the only sport I ever played was basketball because I found out at, a, at an early age that I was tall and I could be good at it. And there was a lot of other sports that I enjoyed playing and I would play with my friends, but I never went out for a team because I was afraid that I wouldn't be good at it. And as I look back, I think to myself, what, what environments was I supposed to be in? What places was I supposed to go? Where was God guiding me that I didn't go because I was scared to fail? I was scared to come up short. And the truth of the matter is when we look at the fear of failure, most of the time when, when we look at it, we sit back and, and we start playing these uh, scenarios in our mind that become so much worse than what actually happens anyway. You started like going down this trail where you're like, oh my word, and then this is gonna happen and and everything's gonna fall apart and I'm gonna become this laughing stock of everything else. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Literally, there was a small step. Just take one small step and see what happens. But I think too often, it's that fear of the unknown. It's the fear of failure that holds us back. And we've learned as adults to mask it differently. But the truth is, it's still there and it's stopping us from doing what God has done because of the fear of the unknown. Just... Friday and SOAP. And um, again, take a moment for, for those of you who maybe, maybe you're, you're new to River Valley Church, uh, you're going to hear us talk about SOAP a lot. Uh, it's not just because we love that we have a church that loves good hygiene, and we thank you for that. Um, but SOAP is an acronym that we use that, that stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. We have cards every month, and, and there's two chapters of the Bible that we read together as a church. You can grab those cards at the Welcome Center, even on your way out. And, and it's about two chapters a day. There's times where um, it's, it's a little bit less if they're longer chapters. It's a little bit more if they're shorter chapters. But we try, and, we try and not make it too crazy long, but yet in the Word every day. And I encourage you to do so. I encourage you if you don't um, already want to start something today to take that step of faith, start reading your Bible. See what happens this year as you start to get into the word of God. We'd love to do it. So in that that soap uh, reading that we were going through on Friday, we were in uh, Psalm chapter 34. And Psalm chapter 34, verse 4 says this. I underlined it in my Bible. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And as I... I had the scripture part of it and I underlined it and then I went to the observation part and I was like, God, what are, you, what are you saying to me right now? It dawned on me that in this moment, as David is writing this psalm, it didn't say I sought the Lord and then all of my enemies died. It didn't say I sought the Lord and the entire situation I was in the middle of changed completely. What happened was he sought the Lord and his fear dissipated. Because the situation around you may not be something that you should be even scared of, but you've created something in your mind. But when you seek the Lord and you adjust your eyes on your savior and not your situation, the fear dissipates. And I think it's time for us even as a church to make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm gonna overcome this fear by seeking the Lord. And I'm gonna focus on him and I'm gonna focus on the step that he has called me to take and not look beyond that, but just focus on the one who's calling me out. And just focus on God and watch what happens in our lives as that fear starts to dissipate and fall away. Don't let your fear of failure steal your step of faith. Don't let your fear of failure or your fear of the unknown steal the step of faith that God is calling you to do. What if we did this as a a church? What if we made a decision today to take every step of faith over the course of the next year? Not like New Year's resolution for the, for the end of December 17th. We have no idea what that's going to look like. But I know this. It's going to be absolutely amazing and beyond our wildest dreams if we start today's taking every step of faith that God has called us to do. Not knowing where it may end up, not knowing where he may take us, but if we say, you know what, I'm going to take that step of faith, what would happen? What would happen if this church was known in the community, not for uh, the, the building that we are, the cross that's on the outside of our building, or the amazing even worship, the, the excellence that is, is on our worship team. What if we were known in the community for the audacious faith that the people inside of it had? What if we were known as as people that were like, you know what, you know what's crazy? They will step out and do anything. They will do whatever God tells them to do. They're amazing people because because they're meeting needs right in front of them that, that everyone else is just walking past. But yet because we're in tune and in line with what God has for us, we may not know where it's gonna take us, but I guarantee you if we take that step of faith, God will do amazing things. The destination that we don't know about will be greater than we could ever imagine. What if we just stepped out and took... The step of faith that God has called us to be. We're not accountable for what we don't know anyway. So let's take the step of faith, which leads right into the second part of that verse. The second half of that is is that we are accountable. We and our children are accountable for what has been revealed to us. So maybe instead of, of looking at 2017 as something that is going to be new, we look back at 2016 and say, what do we need to finish that God gave us last year? What is it that God laid in our hearts that we need to finish before we even ask for something else. Prove in this moment that, that we're faithful with what we have before we start looking at what may be new in the future. Colossians 4:17 says see to it that you complete the work that you have received from the Lord. Seems pretty simple. The step of faith that each and every one of us are held accountable for and that we are supposed to take is to complete the work that God has already given us. When we complete that, I promise you, God will give you something else. God will continue going. But let's take a moment and look back at 2016 and say, God, what have you given me that I still need to follow through on? What do I need to finish that you have for me? We can't step out and ask God for something new if, yet, if we have not used what he's given us in, in the past. Amen. I think about this even as, as the, the parable of Matthew uh, found in Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the Talents. Many of you may know it. I'm going to paraphrase it because it's long and, and, and we don't have time to read the entire thing. But Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. And he says to them as he's trying to think of a story of, of, of how to explain the kingdom of God, he says, the kingdom of God is like this. He, it's, it's, there's, there's this wealthy ruler and he's going to leave for a little while. He's going to go out of town. So he gathers he, three people that work for him and he gives them talents of money. A talent is, is a sum of money. He says, I'm going to give one five talents of money. I'm going to give one two talents of money and I'm going to give one one talent of money. And he says to each of them, I'm entrusting you in this. So I need you to go ahead and, and, and I need you to use this. I'm going to come back at some time in the future and, and I'm going to hold you accountable for what you've done with what I've given you. If you know the story, you know he leaves and he comes back. And, and as he's, as he's uh, finding out what happens with, with these, these men, he says to the first one, and the, the one who had five comes back, he says, I put your money to work right away. And I actually, I doubled it. I gained five more. So here's, here's your ten talents of money in return. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Goes to the next one who had two and he, and he says, I, I put your money to work right away and, and I doubled it. So, so I gained two more. Here's your four talents of money. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And he goes to the last one. And the last one says to him, you know, um, I knew that you were a, a shrewd ruler. And I knew that, I knew that um, you didn't want me to lose any of this. So I was, I, was, I was scared. And if I could insert my own words into the story, I would say he said, I had a fear of failure. Therefore, I did nothing. But I didn't lose it. Here's your one talent of money back. And the response from the ruler, as Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God will be like. The response was, you're wicked and lazy. All of you who thought that Jesus was this guy who like talked really soft and just blessed people when he walked past. And it was all nice and great. said, you're wicked and lazy. The question even to us today is, what has God given us that we need to put to work? What has God given us that, that, we need to, that we need to use in this next year or, or that is coming up? Whatever talents you have been given. And, and I know that in this story it's talking about a talent is a sum of money. But I will even say this, so much more than a sum of money, some of you may have been best blessed financially. Maybe that's what it is. But I'll tell you this, every one of us has a physical talent. God has created us with some type of ability that we can then use for the kingdom of God. And we're going to be held accountable for that, for, for that talent that he's given to us. So whatever it is that you may have, how are you using it to advance the kingdom of God? What are you doing with the talents that he has given you to let other people around you know who God is in your life? If we're not willing to use those talents for him, how can we expect him to give us other talents? I would say this too. I want to talk to those of you who maybe you're, you're here and you're like, you know, I really don't know what, what my talents are. I really don't know what my next step is. I'm going to make an absolutely shameless plug for our class called Next. We have a class called Next and we've tweaked it a few times throughout the years because we want it to be extremely effective for you, not for us. It's not just about getting people plugged in. It's not just about hearing the history of the church and and what our role is in the big C church um, overall. It it has, yes, there's parts of that because we need to know where we fit in that puzzle, but more importantly than that, we go through every person that goes through Next and we have them take a spiritual gifts assessment because we want you to know what your gifts are so that you can fulfill what God has created you to be. We wanna put you in your sweet spot and help you find that because let me tell you right now, it has nothing to do with us plugging you into spots or, or, or trying to get more people on the team, but it has everything to do with this, I understand because I realize what happened to me when I realized I was fulfilling what God had given me to do, what he had created me for. There's a fulfillment in that in knowing that God has created me for such a time as this, for this purpose that I get to then do. There's an amazing fulfillment in that. It's my dream that 100% of this campus would go through next for that reason alone. Because I want you to understand how God has created you and how you can be, in that, be, be along on the journey. If you don't have a a, a vision, if, if you don't know what what your passion may be, join ours. Join join ours. There's something amazing about, about getting involved with the community of believers, of, of getting involved in the church and, and, and following a vision. And then it's, it's awesome. What I've seen so often is people will get involved in the vision and they'll start following along going, all right, I'm just going to jump in here because I don't know where to go. And as you start moving, as you start taking steps of faith that you may not know the end game to, but you start moving and God realizes you're faithful in your movement, it's amazing how often God will give you your own vision that aligns with where you're headed. If you don't know where you're, where you're headed, jump on board. Jump on board and, and let's go after this together because then you're going to start to see things. You're going to start to realize things even in your own life. Um, talents and gifts and abilities that you have. One of the cool things about a biblical community is, is that there's probably people that will call them out of you before you even see them. There's been so many times in my life that people have been like, hey, do you know what you're good at? You should do this more often. And I'll go, huh, I do that naturally. I don't even think about it. But there's so many times where you can get involved in, in whether it's a life team, whether it's a life group. Maybe you need to start a life group. Maybe you have a talent or ability that you want to mold a life group around and, and you want to go after it and you just need to start it because it's, you'll probably be amazed at how many people actually are waiting for someone to do that because they have the same talent, they have the same interest and they want to do it together. If you are amazing at knitting shed cat hair into baby bonnets, go for it. Let's, 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 let's go for it. Because there may be someone else out there. I promise you, I can't relate to that crowd. I'm allergic to cats. But here's the deal. Somebody may need to know that there's people who have the same talents and abilities, the same interests as they do, and that they're welcome in this community. And the way that you can do that is by stepping out and using the talent, the gifting that you have been given for the kingdom of God. James takes it a step further uh, in the New Testament he actually says this in James chapter 4, verse 17. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Just let that one um, sink in for just a second. If you know what you're supposed to do, if you know the talent that God has for you, if you know the good that is there and you don't do it, it's, it's, it's sin. It's pretty simple. I know so many of us are, Or wanting to to do what is right and we want to stay away from sin in our lives. When in all reality, what really needs to happen is we need to take the step of faith that God has put in front of us. And do what God has called us to do. And one of the amazing ways to do that is through the amazing accountability that comes with the community of the church. People keeping you accountable for your giftings, for what God has called you to do. Um, Accountability is one of those crazy words that we've like boiled down to. It's like most negative denominator. It was like accountability is only there to keep you from sinning. When the truth of the matter is accountability is amazing accountability when, when you start sharing dreams and visions with people that are close to you and they start to check up on you and go, hey, how are you doing on that? Can we encourage you? Can, can, we, can we push you along on the, on, on the way so that you can get to where God has called you to be? I've been involved in so many, um, so many circles like that where somebody will say, hey, I have this crazy vision that God has given me and this is what I want to do and somebody else will speak up and go, oh my word, I actually know somebody who does that. Let me get you involved with them and there's accountability that helps the ball roll down the road so that we can come together as a community in church and fulfill all that God has called us to do. The church actually, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. That's what the biblical community of Christ should look like. And let's not forget how uh, Matthew chapter 25, that parable of the, the talents, how that chapter ends. Jesus is still talking about what the kingdom of God is like. And, and he, he says that as people get to that judgment seat with God, there's going to be moments where, where God looks at him and says, thank you so much because when I, was, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water to drink. When I was cold, when I was naked, you clothed me. And the people looked at him and they were like, we have no idea what you're talking about. We don't even remember seeing you out there. What are you talking about? And God, or Jesus replies as as saying this is what it would be like, says this in verse 40, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Let's not wait for the end of 2017 to see if we're hitting goals. Let's start today with just meeting the needs that are in front of us. Let's start today with doing what God has called us to do, living for God exactly where God has called us to be right here in this moment. And there's another part of this, that that verse that jumped out at me. Maybe it was because I'm a dad, but it said, you and your children. When I think about my kids right now, I know that I want an amazing future for them. I want them to go so much further than I ever go in life. I want to be able to to be a, a foundation that they can build off of at the end of it. But what more of a foundation would it be for my kids, for your kids, for the next generation, for those that you may be influencing even right now? Would it be if you set an example of taking every step of faith that God gave you? What would it be like when your kids ask you, dad, why are we doing this? And you say, you know what, I don't know. I have no idea what the end game is, but I know that God told me to take this step of faith. And then watch God show up in your life and watch them watch what's happening. So when they get to the age where they can make decisions, there's not a fear of failure. There's an amazing faith that's there because they've watched God show up in your life. It's not just about us. It's not just about where God will take us, but it's the future generations that get to come alongside and watch what it's like to be an example Watch what happens in your life when you live the life that God has called you to live. And then you start calling it out in your children saying, God, this is what I see in your life. This is the gift and the talent that you have. The reason that I know it is because when I stepped out with this talent and gifting, this is how God showed up in my life. I'll bet you if you step out like this and do this, God has amazing things in store for you. It's not just where God is taking us, but it's for the future generations. Which is what Moses was talking about. In Deuteronomy, He was talking about when you, when you go into this next stage of your life, when you walk into the promised land, he actually says it in the very next chapter, in chapter 30. He says this, starting in verse 11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, to, uh, for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask. No one will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it so we can obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth, it is in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Here's what I believe that verse is saying to us today. The land that we are entering to possess is 2017. And the way, that you, the way that you enter it, the way that you possess it, the way that God shows up bigger in your life than ever before is if you do just that. If you love the Lord your God, if you walk in obedience to him, if you keep his commands, decrees, and laws... As we do that as a church, as we step out in faith and say, we may not know the end, but we know that we're not accountable for it. What well, we are accountable for what's in front of us today. Therefore, we will step out in faith. I believe that 2017 is going to be the most amazing year we've ever had because it's going to be a year of faith. It's going to be a year that we walk into and we say, God, we don't care where you're taking us, but we want to go with you. So today as we go, as we end, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to pray that over you. I want to pray faith over each and every one of us. God, today... Even in this moment right now, I thank you for all that you've done in 2016. But Lord God, in that moment, even in in thanking you for what you've done, Lord God, I pray that we look at it and that builds our faith. We know that you've done amazing things, so we know that you have amazing things in store. So as we go into 2017, I pray that you look down and see people of faith. I pray that you look down and see people who have been faithful with the gift, with the talents that you've given us. Therefore, we can have more that you can give us. You can can trust us to be good stewards of all that you have. And Lord God, as we go forward, I pray that you dispel fear. I pray that we keep our eyes fixed on you so that as we go forward, amazing things happen, not by our strength, but by your leading. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.